Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Extended press conference, nearly an hour and a half today. The new news items that came out of that, or I guess the biggest news, uh, restaurants uh, being allowed by order of the governor to open at 50% capacity and outdoor gatherings now with uh, up to 20 people as opposed to the uh, previous number of 10, although you're still supposed to uh, enact social distancing. I think the thought behind that was that uh, potentially we could be seeing some youth sports returning I guess some questions that go along with, I mean, uh, along with that idea, he was suggesting that, um, you know, maybe that's enough to be able to have kids play ball. Yeah, you're playing nine on the field at one time, but what about numbers of kids in the dugouts? I don't know. I hope that means that youth sports can uh, can return. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you on this Monday, start of a new week, gorgeous day in the Magnolia State. Borky, just from a housekeeping standpoint, are we taking a break right here at the top of the hour? We are or not. We're just going to roll through it. We are not. Okay. I just found out, so I would have told you sooner, I promise. I just uh, No, no, that's fair. I just wanted to, uh, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be wrapping up and sending us to a break or if we were going to hang tight for a little while. We're glad to have you along for the uh, ride this afternoon. As we get started about an hour late, we do remind you that the uh, C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work-from-anywhere toolkit from C Spire Business, featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. Learn more today at cspire.com slash business. Uh, Borky, you, you put together a great rundown for the show today. I don't think we'll have time to get to all of it. Plus, I like the sound as, of that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, more that uh, can carry over to tomorrow, Yes, sir. I, I, I guess. But I sat here during the uh, listening to the governor's press conference and making a whole bunch of notes myself. Uh, I think of the notes that I made... The thing that I'm most excited about is midnight tonight, the return of professional baseball on television. The KBO, the South Korean Baseball League, is returning. ESPN is going to carry six games per week, and the first game tonight is coming your way at midnight central. So I think what we have to do is we all have to adopt a team. We have to adopt a team each. I don't know if we adopt one team that we all cheer for or if we adopt four individual teams. How should we do that? I think we should all pick one separate. Okay, well, I've already chosen mine. Uh, I I have laid claim, uh, and I tweeted just a minute ago, that um, South Korea baseball comes to ESPN tonight at midnight. I'm adopting the Doosan Bears until MLB returns. And I just ordered a Doosan Bears ball cap. Nice. Pretty sweet little lid, actually. One of the trucker-style hats, red on the front, and uh, it's got the uh, Doosan Bears logo with a big B in the middle of it. So uh, I'm fired up about that. How are you, man? How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Uh, Destroyed some more trees. The yard's looking great. And now my allergies are killing me. Yeah, you sound like it. 
Yeah, I got uh, my prescription ready to pick up the second I leave here, so maybe tomorrow will be a better day. I've pulled up this roster by the or the uh, list of teams. I'm in between the Hanwha Eagles or the Kai Woom Heroes. Okay. We'll go through the entire list of uh, South Korean baseball teams and give you the options in uh, in just a moment. Uh, hey, Dad, how was your grilled lasagna this weekend? It wasn't grilled, first and foremost. Let me make sure that that's clear. Uh, but you were proud that, of it and then became uh, text message angry with me on Saturday. Well, you know, I like to do that every now and then. Uh, should no, should I read though. specifically the text? I don't care. Yeah, by all means. Here it was. Hey, Dad sends me a um, sends me a text message picture of his pan of lasagna, which says, looks delicious. It it looks great. He says, "You can say what you want, my friend. That looks unimprovable uh, by God or man." To which I responded, "Agreed." Stouffer's has never looked so fine. <laughs> and Hey, Dad's response was, "This is why I hate Ole Miss." <laughs> That's right. I'm not sure how those two things were connected, but fair enough. <laughs> so, but yeah, good weekend for me on the uh, on the cooking front, and uh, going to be a good weekend or some good weeks for me coming up on the exercise front with my uh, my charity challenge that I set up yesterday. Oh, you got hot yoga going that. again? No, no, uh, no, no. That's not what the, the thing is. So I, I don't know. I guess you the... didn't see it. I'm going to do a challenge where I got I set up a GoFundMe. Uh, we're going to do uh, try to raise some money for extra table for our friend Robert St. John's uh, uh, charity. I set a goal of five thousand dollars. Once we reach that goal, I'm going to have thirty days to walk one hundred and fifty miles. I got to average five miles a day. What happens if you don't make it? I will donate three hundred dollars of my own money, double the uh, for for each mile I missed. Three. Wait, say that again. I'll donate three hundred dollars of my own money, which would be a Two bucks for every mile that I for, for not making the goal. Oh, not three hundred dollars per mile you miss. Oh, good God, man! <laughs> I don't make that Richard Cross money. No, I was going to say that is quite generous of you. Right now, you have raised seven hundred ninety of five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're getting there. So, Hey Dad says he wants to raise five thousand dollars for extra table to help them as they look to keep food on the table for those less fortunate around Mississippi. Robert St. John, a good friend of ours, we talked with him uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Hey Dad says he's going to walk one hundred fifty miles in thirty days, and if he doesn't meet his goal, he'll add three hundred dollars to the pot. So there you go. Uh, well done. I'm excited. When do you start? As soon as we get five thousand dollars. Wait. You're not going to start before, like you. You should give no, the, people something to be encouraged by, giving some progress. Well, I mean that's that, I, no. We're going to once I reach the first goal, we'll, we'll start the challenge. Well, how long do you think it's going to take to get to uh, five thousand dollars? I hope it's going to go pretty quickly now that we're advertising it on this statewide radio show. You want to see Michael? Uh, I'm sorry, Brian Haydad walk 150 miles in a month. Then uh, you have to come off your wallet. There you go. Fair enough. Should have done hundos for hot yoga, but this is a good second. <laughs> I will do DDP yoga for six consecutive hours. Rippy, are you going to walk 150 miles in the next month? Probably not. Play enough golf, I'd you will. Just take a guess. 
Richard and Wiggins suggest that if you fail, you should actually donate the $5,000 that uh, you agreed to raise. Well, I don't have $5,000 to donate, so that would seem like a waste of time. Yeah, but I don't want to lie to people. Richard. Yeah. Uh, there you go. So, 150 miles. Uh, there's a suggestion here that this person believes you should up the number that most people that work on their feet hit that every single month. Um, just a newsflash, hey, that doesn't work on his feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and he I'm doesn't a... hit that number every month. Yeah. Well, this is also in addition to the already existing daily routine. It's not yeah. like he's counting his steps all day and then using that as the counter. It's deliberately going yeah. to do just that every exactly. day. Exactly. One thing if I was, you know, doing something that where I was work, walking nearly five miles a day. I'm not. I might walk a mile a day in, in my current steps. I don't, I don't do a whole lot, so. How long is it going to take you to walk five miles a day? Uh, a couple hours. Okay. I can Don't walk. you tell me you didn't have time to do anything? Who told you that? When did I say Are that? Are you going to start like getting up super early to do this? No. I mean, not super early. I'm going to get up around you know, 8, 8.30. You are, you are sliding into the, uh, the warm time of the year to embark on this 150-mile well, Yeah, I wanted it to be a journey. bit of a challenge. What do you want? I, I didn't want to do something easy. Yeah. What's the point of that? If it's raining one day, or if you go into a, a segment of days where you know it's going to rain pretty much all day for three straight days, just going to get wet, or are you going to uh, try and hold on to those miles and then make them up by going out and walking like 10 miles a day for three days? That's a good question. Um, you know, If some stuff would start opening up, I can always go to like the Startable Sportsplex. They have a track inside that I can walk. Uh, so there's, there's some, Or I could go to the hump if the hump would be opened up. But we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Yeah, I think video footage. If I break or, my leg, uh, it doesn't count. You know, I, I I can't walk if I break my leg. So you know, count hmm. that. Greg well, Jennings did. Greg Jennings is more of a man than me. I'll admit it. Put the I, team I, I on his back. <laughs> yeah. So did that uh, the seal in the book I was telling you about, David Goggins. He did that also. Anyway, seals have legs. I thought it was. More like fins. Shut up, boy. <laughs> All right, so here are the teams in the Korean Baseball League. We, we got stuff to get to, but I'm sorry. This is just fun. Uh, and, and it's a it's little live sports on your TV on ESPN. This is this is well, and, and and it's also it is a fairly heavy press conference with the governor today. So we'll go with uh, something a little lighter to uh, to get started. So, here are your teams. The Kia Tigers, the Samsung Lions, the Doosan Bears, who I've already adopted, so that's uh, off, the, uh, off the board, the SK Wyverns, the LG Twins, the Lottie Giants, the Hanwha that's Eagles. That's mine. That's mine. You're going with the Giants. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, why not? Makes sense, right? Won uh, one championship in franchise history. They won it in 1999. Runner-up finishes in 1988, 89, 91, 92, and 2006. So it's been a while. All right. Well, be okay. All right. So uh, two teams now spoken for, the Doosan Bears and the Lottie Giants. So, Rippy, do you want the Kia Tigers, the Samsung Lions, the SK Wyverns, the LG Twins, the Hanwha Eagles, or the Kaiwoom Heroes? I'll go with the last one because I, I wouldn't pay attention for the first half of that. But there's some interesting MLB connections here. 
The Kiwum Heroes are an interesting story. I, I, I think a relatively new team. They have never won a championship. They have finished up, uh, finished runner-up twice, including last season. They finished as runners-up in the KBO in both 2014 and 2019. So maybe you were uh, kind of betting on the come here. Not a bad, not a bad play at all. Yeah, and uh, the you mentioned the uh, Latte Giants. What their hitting coach is a uh, 75-year-old who retired a couple years ago, Julio Franco. Oh, that batting stance. Julio Franco last played in the major leagues in 2007. Did he really? Yeah, at age, I think, like 46. Mm. Yeah, he was old. And that bat's still locked up over his head, tucked back behind his ear, just bouncing. All right, Borky, uh, who's your team? So we, uh, hey, Dad's got the Lottie Giants. I've got the Doosan Bears. Uh, Rippy going with the Kai Womb Heroes. Who's your team? I'm a little disappointed I can't pick this one since they ceased from the league in 99, but how about this name? The Sasang Bang Wool Raiders. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good, but I'll be a Hanwha, Hanwha Eagles fan instead. The Hanwha Eagles won the um, won the championship in 1999. And uh, they were runners-up in 88, 89, 91, 92, and 06. I think that's Man, what I told suck. you a second ago. Hey, Dad, and I was wrong. Oh, okay. I was reading from the wrong line. Your your team last won a title in 1992, and they were last runners-up to the title in 1999. Okay. And hey, so you got a bad team in the United States and a bad team in South Korea. boy. Consistency. Have you yeah. seen how this league prides themselves on the bat flip, by the way? Yes. It's fantastic. They will bat flip anything, not just home runs. If they have an RBI single, they're flipping that thing. It's incredible. Hey, Dad, your team plays in uh, Busan Sajik Baseball Stadium. Appears to be the uh, biggest stadium in the league at a capacity of 26,800. Perfect. Uh, Borky, uh, looks like you guys play in a uh, Cracker Jack box. 13,000-seat Hanwha Life Eagles Park. Yeah, beautiful uh, setting, though. Mountains in the background. Looks great. It is gorgeous. Uh the Doosan Bears play in the 25,500-seat Jamsil Baseball Stadium. It's like they share it with the LG Twins. And uh, that, that should be a that should be a you should get out now. They're sharing stadiums. Oh, Rippy, you got like the Oakland one. Coliseum over there. The uh, for local Braves fans, Preston Tucker is a Kia Tiger. That piques your interest. Rippy, your team plays in a sweet venue. The Kaiwum Heroes call the. Gochiat Sky Dome home. It has a capacity of 16,813, but you got to believe in the enclosed stadium and uh, with kind of uh, the way Asian baseball fans... Oh, wait. Empty stadiums, right. No fans? I just hope it's half as nice as the Trop, but Sky Dome sounds pretty cool. It looks nicer than the Trop. A lot. You can uh, you can do the Google search for the Gochiat Sky Dome and uh, check it all out. Anyway... We've wasted enough time with that. Uh, that's fun. If you are adopting a team in the um, KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, then uh, let us know who it is, and uh, we'll all cheer together, I, I-, I suppose. Um, 
You want to be a part of the conversation, you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. How about a little NFL news? We're just going to go bullet point style here. The NFL has now raised over $100 million for COVID-19 relief. That's good. The NFL schedule will be released later this week, and they are moving forward with the idea that they are playing games starting on the 10th of September. However, there is one change that we're going to see to the schedule. There will be no international venue games this year. There were to be four games in London and another game in Mexico City. You had the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting two games at Wembley Stadium in London. So the Jaguars will have eight home games this year. It's been a while since they've done that in actual Jacksonville. The Falcons and the Dolphins were both scheduled to host a game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is a really cool-looking venue. Not going to do that. And you had the Arizona Cardinals, who were going to be the home team this year in Mexico City. Congratulations to Arizona. You do not have to play on that terrible playing surface at uh, Estadio Azteca. Uh, in Mexico City, maybe knees and ankles will rejoice. So they've tried that now for the last three seasons, and it's only happened once, correct? Because you remember yeah, the was, first iteration of that game had to be moved. It, it was two years ago because of field conditions. They decided last year that it was remarkably improved, so they played it, and guess what? The field looked like garbage. And then this year, a global pandemic pandemic causes the move. Maybe that's a sign, you know? Maybe it just shouldn't be happening. Probably not the best plan. Yeah. Are you guys expecting to see anything interesting from the NFL schedule release? Tampa suddenly got a lot more interesting. Yeah. I'm, yep. I'm interested to see if the Saints-Raiders game is in Vegas and if it's on Mississippi State's bye week and if everything holds up. Maybe. Maybe we can get out there. Really? Oh, I would. I, I, I'm, I, I talked about doing it earlier this year, yeah. It'd be very cool. Oh, it would be. You better walk 150 miles and not burn up that 300 bucks from having to uh, contribute yourself. That could go into your Vegas fund. Yeah, we'll, we'll be all right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll dip into the reserves if necessary for the Vegas trip. Uh, Packers-Seahawks tonight, Monday Night Football, from September of 2012. Uh, This would be the game that was called the Fail Mary game. Controversial call at the end. You may remember you had replacement replacement officials at the time. And on the Hail Mary at the end of the game, one official signaled touchdown the other gave the a signal uh, gave the signal for touchback and then waved his hands above his head to stop the clock and then ultimately they got together and decided tie goes to the runner there was simultaneous possession inbounds and the NFL's simultaneous possession rules favor the offense and so they go touchdown on the field they review it call stands on the field and controversy lives on forever. Russell Wilson was a rookie in that game. Do you remember watching that one? Yeah, he had just beat out former Packer Matt Flynn. They paid Matt Flynn a bunch of money, and he couldn't even beat out a second, third-round pick, whatever Wilson was, out of camp. Didn't they? 
Didn't they pay him like forty million or sixty million, some insane amount? I don't know if it was that much, but it was a sizable, like fairly lengthy contract for a relatively unproven starter, and he didn't make it out of tra- out of training camp. But then again, it is Russell Wilson. Let's see. It was a three-year deal. It was a three-year, twenty-six million dollar contract with ten million dollars of it guaranteed. Not bad. Expensive backup. Say it's worked out for uh, both sides. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back with you. Rippy's Kaiwum Heroes, big favorite in the uh, game tonight. They're minus 147 on the money line uh, against Kia. Game uh, gets started at midnight. Uh, Lottie Giants, a slight underdog, plus 107 against uh, KT Wiz. Uh, let's see, Borky, you, uh, who'd you go with, Borky? The Hanwha Eagles? Yep. Yeah, you're an underdog on the road tonight at, uh, the SK Wyverns. They are minus 178. You're plus 124 on the money line. And, uh, the Doosan Bears a minus 166 favorite on the money line tonight against the LG Twins. That's, uh, those are the two teams that share the home ballpark. I have to imagine that in a slightly different circumstance, would have been an electric atmosphere for that game tonight in Seoul. Thundersticks. Maybe. What not. Yeah. I mean, don't you think two teams from the same city playing in the same ballpark? Yeah. Season opener? Wait, so this isn't the league that is selling the opportunity to put a cutout of your face in what would have been your seat? That's a different league? I'm not familiar that with... Must, that must that, have been the Taiwanese league then. There was one of these um, Asian baseball leagues that were closing their games to fans, but for like 30 bucks, you could have paid to have them blow up a picture of basically you from the chest up, and they stuck like the picture on a stick and stuck the stick in a seat to where your face was at the game, and they filled their stadium with these cardboard cutouts of people because they couldn't be in attendance themselves and made money doing it. We should do all four of us. We get some good pub. So you got Chinese professional baseball going on in Chinese Taipei. You have the South Korean League that we mentioned, and then CPBL Minor League. Uh, that's tr- China Professional Baseball Minor League. There are actually places, if you look in the right spots, where you can gamble on these, if you are so inclined. So we have a Golden Moon pick of the day, is what you're telling me? Time out of Sports Lounge? Think any of these I'm, leagues are into live mascots, or is that just an SEC thing? <laughs> if my team has a live giant, I want to see that. <laughs> is, is is there a team in the chi- Can I? I don't know if I can say this or not. Yeah, yeah. Is there a team in the Chinese Taipei League that has a bat for a mascot? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Hey, Dad, tell him where he went in relation to the line. There's the line. You're over here. It's over here. Yeah. Crossed it. Yeah, just a little. Just a little bit. A little bit. So saying Wuhan bats would not be a... Nah. Yeah. I wouldn't think it would be bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, Majority of sports fans surveyed by ESPN say they are in favor of watching televised sports without fans rather than waiting for sports to resume only when fans can be attendance. 
The ESPN Coronavirus Lockdown Fan Study surveyed 1,004 sports fans aged 18 or older. 65% were in favor of sports returning, even if fans can't be in the stands. That approval number grew to 76% when participants were asked if they support the return of sports without fans if players were kept in hotels and their contact with others was closely monitored. Um... Lots of leagues have done this. So, Borky, I suppose that should uh, take us to our poll question today. Yeah, the poll question is simply this. Uh, would you rather sports wait until fans can be in attendance to come back, or would you prefer they start whenever they can uh, safely without fans? Am I the most – like, is it wrong to be the most surprised that 35% of people did it? You've been cooped up in your house with absolutely nothing to do and nothing on TV for multiple months now, why would you just prefer wait to prefer to fans in the stands? Wouldn't you rather just have something than nothing? Like, what is the mindset of, no, I don't want sports until there are people in the seats? Do, you can watch you it on television. The, well, I was going to say, do you think that's people that were fans who, like, live in major league cities and are season ticket holders? I mean, maybe, but I'm just guessing here. I, the the biggest, I don't know, just random example, Cincinnati Reds fans on earth, you could have tickets behind home plate, but I feel like they would rather, I don't know what the logistics of like getting tickets repaid back, but I feel like in terms of just entertainment, they'd probably rather have it on television than not have it at all. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with that, but I mean, I guess the, the thought would be, let's say Hey Dad lives across the street from the ballpark in downtown San Francisco, and he's got season tickets, and he can either start watching Giants games on television every night or on the afternoons and the weekend if it starts back, say, in a month, or he could wait three months and be able to go to all the games if they waited that long would that affect you one way or the other, hey, Deb? That's a good point. Uh, if, I'm, if, if I'm in that kind of situation where I'm a season ticket holder and I have easy access to go to all the home games, yes, I would probably rather wait it out so I could go to all the home games. But logistically, in three months, you're not going to really have much of a baseball season at all. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how – that's more to, to the discussion there. But I, if, if, I, if I were in that situation that Richard lined out, if I'm close enough that you know I can go to the majority of those games, I would want to be able to do that rather than just get started and feel like you know I bought tickets and I can't go. I'm sure I get a refund, but it, it just you know I, 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 that's I see where Richard's coming from. I did see um, there was a report that an NFL executive, multiple NFL executives, said that if they played without fans an entire season. Uh, that would lose a franchise, give or take, about $100 million. But the flip side is they make a few hundred million more on everything else. What, on concession stands? And... No, uh, a few hundred million more television rights, um, apparel sales online, stuff like that. Uh, but they would lose about $100 million a year if they had no fans in attendance for games. I mean, th this gets into... I mean, I don't care if you're talking about professional sports or college sports or a women's clothing store. I'm talking personal experience here. Nobody's making the same amount of money that you thought you were making this year. If you went into 2020 as a business owner of any kind that has been affected by coronavirus, and I guess there are some outlets that have not been affected, you know, maybe they never just 
never slowed down, never had to close, whatever. But if you have a business that has been negatively impacted by the global pandemic that is COVID-19, whatever you thought you were going to make in 2020, you're making less than that. You're, you're making less than that if you're a Major League Baseball owner. Probably going to make a little less than that if you are an NFL owner. You're certainly making less than you thought you were going to if you're an NBA owner. And if you're a business owner, you just went a month and a half without having your doors open. Revenue's going to be down. And so this just, I, I think this whole thing, Borky, just turns into like a mitigation deal. Like, Okay, how can we create some revenue? If by opening now, we know we're not going to be made whole, but we can get the cash flow started, geez, let's open the doors. I mean, even if we're not going to make $350 million, if we can make $175 million, if we start next week, let's get started. Yeah. Because we know that by not playing and not being open, we're not making anything. And who's to say that if you can safely open with fans, that everybody's coming back anyway? And so let's say you wait until November to safely open with fans, and you're still not filling up your stadium, so you're not making as much money there. And then what if you lose some value in viewership because you're starting in November and playing regular season games in February – viewership trends are off and there's other sports going on and you're not as dominant in your market as you were before. Who's to say that's going to happen? If they can find a way to start in September, you know for sure your television television audience is going to be excellent. I mean, the best it's probably ever been in the history of your sport. But if you wait, you may not make that much money on your in-person revenue anyway because although most people listening, myself included, would be fine going back to a game if we get a medical professional to say, yeah, you're good now, maybe wear a mask, but otherwise you're, you're probably fine. Not everybody feels that way. And not everybody's just going to go right back into being at a 75,000-seat dome stadium where their legs and shoulders are All pressed right. up against two people around them. It's not going to be that simple. So I'm with you. I think it's a greater risk to delay than it would be to start without fans, I think. All right, so so quick straw poll right now. Let's just say that magically we are cleared for sports with fans one month from today. And one month from today is the opening Saturday of the college football season. Hey, Dad, I'm not talking about work responsibilities. I'm just talking about being able to go. If they say fans can come, buy your tickets, come on. Are you going to a Mississippi State game a week from today, a month from today? Yes. Rippy, would you go to a Titans game a month from today? Uh, yeah, probably. Borky, would you go to a Saints game a month from today? Yeah, I would, but I'd probably keep a mask on, though, for some reason. Yeah, I might do that, yeah. Okay. I, I would 100% be in the category of, yeah, let's go. We're going to the ballpark. We're going. we got to wear a mask, so be it. We'll wear a mask, but we are going to the ballpark. Sports Talk Mississippi, quick timeout. Be right back with you. Big television night last night. Episodes five and six of The Last Dance and the season premiere of Billions on Showtime, if you were so inclined. Did you watch episodes five and six? 
last night. Hey, Dad, did you watch? I did. Watched again. There you go. Another Rippy? Fantastic. Yes. Game. Borky, are you now four episodes behind, or did you play catch-up? I played catch-up, just not with these two. So I have not uh, watched last night. Um, Did you think that because they dedicated episode five to Kobe, did you think that there was going to be more about the Kobe-MJ relationship, or was that just kind of sidebar like some of the other sidebars have been? I thought there was going to be more. I thought there was going to be a little bit more dedicated uh, to that particular. Especially, you know, they, they started off with it, and I was like, okay, here we go. And then it, that was all it was. So, you know, and I, and I understand because, I mean, Kobe doesn't play a huge role in this story, but I, they, they teased it like it was going to be a big thing. Um, some of the stuff from the 98 All-Star game, though, when Kobe was there and I guess was so what, good. Wasn't that great? Oh, and with Magic and Bird and Jordan all in the same room talking smack to each other, it's just fantastic. Yeah, and, and all the veterans kind of sitting around not talking in the most, uh, if we can use uh, the words of the late, great Harry Carey, not talking in the most laudatory terms about Kobe Bryant. Uh, <laughs> I kind of hate had to laugh. There we go. That's not your best impression, though. Gosh. No, it's not. It's not. Hi. Laudatory. Yeah. That's laudatory right. terms. What stood out to you last night, Rippy? I think I mean you'd heard the the all the dream team stories and stuff like that, but actually having a little bit, albeit kind of grainy and old footage from that practice game and that scrimmage in that gym and just like them I mean that would never happen today. You'd have too many people worried about getting hurt. Same with the level of yeah, effort yeah. given in that All Star game. I mean now Larry Bird was in the All Star locker room saying, We're here, we might as well win it. When's the last time you think a coach for an all star team uh in the NBA has said something like that? Uh but that and then the dream team stuff was was pretty cool. And then of course, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's uh love for uh Las Vegas. Or I guess Atlantic City, I should say. You, well, just gambling, period. Yeah. But, yeah, the Atlantic City storyline was, was big out of the that Knicks Eastern Conference Final Series. Um, oh, and you got the uh, Mike Francesa quote in there where he's saying yeah, he, he doesn't care enough about the task at hand. That, that was a bad imitation as well. But uh, the, the Pope, uh, was he was all over the clickbait uh, with regard to Michael Jordan and uh, gambling in Atlantic City. Also, um, just... Generally, how many careers he changed. I mean, the fact that someone as good as Charles Barkley didn't have an NBA title largely because of Jordan. Same with the Knicks teams and Patrick Ewing and all of that. Like, just pretty nuts. I I thought it was really funny the way Jordan would find out that Kraus liked somebody, so he would make it his mission to destroy them. Tony Kukoc, got to destroy he and that Pippen guy. Pippen killed Kukoc in the 92 yeah. Olympics. Dan Marley, oh, Jerry Krause thought he was pretty good, so I was like, how many careers did this guy destroy? Yeah. Um, Jordan was forever looking for any kind of an edge. Even, like, the slightest little slight, boom. You, you fueled him. And and you, and you got that, uh, so, so Magic Johnson in the... Uh, okay, a couple of things. I'm with you, Rippy. I loved the footage from that leading up to the 92 Olympics. I would watch that. If they put it on primetime tonight, I'd watch it. What? The those the, 
the practice. That they can show that, that scrimmage. Yeah. It might be the best inter-squad game of, or, or you know, of scrimmage time. of all time. It might be the best basketball game of all time. <laughs> Look at the talent. That, that, that's possible. So, Magic just talking, 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 talking. And finally, Jordan had enough after Magic said something specific to him. And they said Jordan scored every possession for the rest of the game. <laughs> and they went from up eight to down two in the you know the last quarter of their scrimmage. I don't know if you caught this or not. Did you hear them say where they scrimmaged? Where did they say? I missed that. In Monaco. Oh. Given the propensity for Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and others to gamble and their love for gambling... It's a good what spot. do you think the night before or the night after that scrimmage in Monaco was like? There was some coin dropped. Whew. I thought it was a pretty neat shot where Jordan walked outside of the building in Barcelona and he kind of looked up and it was like even he was taken aback a little bit by the billboard of himself. Yeah. We haven't talked about the legend yet, though. The security guy with the perm, who was taking Jordan's money pitching quarters. So, there's a story. I just saw it tweeted a little while ago. Um, Matt Fortuna wrote it at The Athletic. Here's the tweet. No, a game of quarters isn't the only time John Michael Wozniak got the best of Michael Jordan. About that Christmas party he left early. Quote, uh, I beat Michael at pool, and Michael didn't like it, so dot, 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 close quote. It's a pretty good tease. I'm definitely going to go be reading that one, go and, uh, and check that one out. Uh, the, the hook is on the man who perfected the shrug and protected MJ. John Michael Wozniak, legit perm. Guys in there is he like before? the one guy who... It did not matter what Jordan said. He gave it back to him. Yes, it appears that way. Just pitching uh, quarters for, for God knows how much money prior to... That's incredible. That's incredible. What, like, that guy okay, would gamble on anything. What was the game on court? Were you trying to get it closest to the wall without touching the wall? Or did you have when to we, bank it off the wall and then try to keep it closest to the wall? We used to draw a line, and you had it was sort of like bocce a little bit. You had to get it close to the line, and you could come okay. off the wall if you wanted to. But I, I don't. Yeah, I'm I, not quite sure the variation they were playing there. Like, yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't figure out what they were tossing toward. Yeah. Anyway. But yes, your point is well taken. He would gamble on anything. Absolutely anything. The, and the blackjack the, story, uh, the scene too. in the 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 back of the front of the plane versus the games at the back of the yeah. plane, where where he, where he tells Purdue, he just like I just want to tell people I've got your I won your money, you know, like that's that's how that guy was. You're playing for high stakes back there. Why do you want to come up here and play for a dollar? Because I want your money in my pocket. Yeah, Whew. fantastic. Yeah, I'll play dollar blackjack up here with you guys. Instead of, you know, whatever. The, could you tell exactly what card game it was they were playing? 
I couldn't tell. But, I mean, I don't think they were playing Hold'em, so it seems unlikely they were playing poker. They might have been playing spades. Maybe. Uh, maybe so. You want to be part of the show? You can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Jeff and Grenada says, bounce or don't bounce the wall can be either uh, lost and won my lunch m- money many times in high school. So you can, I guess, uh, go with whichever rules you uh, you want to go with. All right. I got you. Jimmy and Tupelo says, we played closest to the wall. If you pitched a leaner, you were the boss. Ooh. Talking about playing quarters yeah. or, or tossing quarters. So getting one that up on its edge and leaned on the wall, that would take some real skill. Richard and Wiggins says, if the moon was made of cheese, would you eat yourself? <laughs> I'd ask for seconds. Um. Oh, Borky. This one's directed to you. If nothing else, this Michael Jordan documentary has proved to Borky what real basketball was like, whether he admits it or not. I just love the LeBron-Jordan comparisons that are being drawn from a documentary that makes one of them look really, really good, as it should, but like... How are you drawing those kind of comparisons from a documentary? Every Monday, local radio, national radio, all these people, undisputed, are debating LeBron versus Jordan stuff. Every Monday after this airs. That's not, there's no way that's what the people want to hear. Because it's absurd from from the genesis of that conversation. So I'm not even going to engage this clown either. (laughs) It's just a stupid conversation. If they did a documentary... They did a documentary on the Cavaliers coming back from 3-1 down. It would look just as good for LeBron. Yeah, my gosh, of course. You would think LeBron's the greatest player to ever live. And he might be. He may not. But, uh. no, there's a documentary running right now about the greatest player to ever live. (laughs) I mean, I don't disagree. I think Jordan's number one, too. But, I mean, it's it's not this horrible thing that so many people are making out to be. Am I crazy that I think the difference is Jordan's killer instinct is superior to any body that's ever played, and I don't see that same instinct with LeBron? That's fair. I mean, that's obviously very subjective. The only one that's Sports close Talk. to me is Kobe. So Fair. Sports Talk Mississippi. One of the all-time greats in the NFL passed away. Don Shula, dead at 90 years old. Went to John Carroll College after finishing at Painesville Harvey High School in Ohio. In 1951, he was a ninth-round pick of the Cleveland Browns. Played for a couple of years with the Browns, handful of years with the Baltimore Colts, and then finished his career with the Washington Redskins. Defensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions from 60 to 62, then head coach from 63 to 69 of the Colts in the NFL, um, and then Miami Dolphins from 1970 until 1995. Here's some perspective for you. In 33 years as a head coach, Don Shula had two losing seasons. 
in 25 years as a head coach, Bill Belichick has had five losing seasons. Wow. Won Super Bowl seven and eight NFL championship in 1968 with the uh, Baltimore Colts. Four-time NFL coach of the year, 64, 67, 68, and then again in 72. 1993, named the Sportsman of the Year by Sports Illustrated. Uh, was named to the 100th anniversary all-time team in the NFL. And is the winningest head coach in regular season history with 328. Winningest head coach overall, total wins 347. And coached the only undefeated season through the regular season and playoffs in NFL history, Mercury Morris and whatnot, that undefeated Miami Dolphins team. Anybody got a Don Shula, Shula memory? Shula is the, the coach of the first Super Bowl that I really remember watching when they lost to the Redskins, I guess, in 82. And that's, you know, David Woodley was still the quarterback for the Dolphins then. They would draft Marino, I guess, in the following year. Um, I mean, he was the, the, the guy in the NFL when I was a kid. You know, that was a strike-shortened season. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was. Yep. And, uh, I mean, he, he was just the man. You know, there's no question about that. Great steakhouses, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was a sad day when they closed Shula's in the uh, hotel in Birmingham. Yeah. That was a good spot. Uh, so, circa 1995? There's 93. When was O.J. McDuffie a rookie with the Miami Dolphins? Oh, gosh. I mean, 93 sounds right. It sounds about right. So, I, my aunt is from uh, from South Florida, and I went on a trip. Say what? You got it, 93. Yeah. So, this was in summer of 93. Um, went on a trip with my aunt and uncle to Miami. And there was a family friend who was the head of security for the Miami Dolphins. And so we went to their training camp, and it was hot. Oh, my goodness, it was hot. But he was able to get us down on the field after practice was over. You know, tours, they, they were practicing at Southeast Nova University, I think, at the time. Or maybe it was just called Nova University at the time. Uh, so got to meet Dan Marino, took a picture with him, got an autograph. He was not terribly personable, but, you know, kind of looking back, I, you know, they're at the office, right? They, yeah. they, they're at the office, and they just finished up uh, a midday practice in the South Florida sun in late July, early August, whatever the timing was. Uh, I'm not mad about that. But Don Shula was so nice to me. Got a got a couple of pictures with Don Shula and an autograph from him. That's super, super cool. That's a neat deal. That's just really cool. It's it's interesting to look at Shula and you're like, you think of Belichick and how great he is. He has to have ten more seasons of, uh, I'm sorry, five more seasons of ten or more wins to get to him. I mean, that seems unlikely at this stage. So I mean, I don't I don't know that anybody's going to be breaking that record. Yeah, do I? But doesn't Don Shula have the reputation of being one of the really good guys? As far as, as I know, as well, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of uh, 
there's not a lot of, of, of you know bad stuff out there about him to my knowledge yeah um said in 1974 at the peak of his coaching career he attended mass every morning and once considered becoming a catholic priest but decided he could not commit to being both priest and coach that would have been something seems reasonable just think alabama fans you were that close to never having mike shula as your head coach mm. I don't know. Maybe he was thinking about a later in life switch. Yeah, I guess. So Don Shula passes away at the age of 90. Last coached in the NFL in 1995. His final game as a head coach was a loss to the Buffalo Bills in the AFC wildcard game to close out the 1995 season. Two hours in the books. College football fix coming your way. We're going to try and squeeze in a little bit of winners and losers in the 5 o'clock hour as well. And uh, we had a request to continue the uh, playing out of the virtual SEC baseball season. We would have only two weeks remaining in the regular season starting today. Take a quick time out. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back after the news. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey on this Monday, the 4th. No jokes here. May 4th. 4th of May, May 4th, whatever. You're dying to say it, aren't you, Haydad? No, I'm not. I'm not. Not, not your thing? No, I mean, I love Star Wars, but yeah. There you go. Uh, you want to be a part of the show? You can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath, C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. cspirehealth.com is where you can learn more. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. I saw it pop up just uh, a few minutes ago. There's something that is happening June 4th, 5th, and 6th in Central Texas. The Collegiate Summer Baseball Invitational. They bill this as the biggest college baseball event in 2020 where you can watch live college baseball over 70 Division I schools from all over the country. I'm assuming it's players representing over 70 schools from all over the country. They're going to divide the players into four teams and will play a double elimination bracket format. Guaranteed six games. And I guess there's an if necessary game that uh, could be in there as well. It's going to start on Thursday, June 4th, and then we'll play out over the course of, uh, of three days. They are going to stream it online, and it's available through you know all the places that you stream. Amazon Fire TV, Roku, uh, Roku, Chromecast, Apple TV, and whatnot. And if you do the early bird special, it's fifty bucks. That's for the first two thousand people in the month of May. It'll cost you sixty, at, or the first half of the month. Second half of the month of May, you can buy it for seventy bucks. And if you wait until June, it'll cost you eighty dollars to be able to uh, watch the games and stream them all live. But they've got COVID nineteen safety protocols in place. No fans in the stands. I just don't know who's going to be playing in it yet. I, I, we haven't seen the list of players. Is that something that's semi-appealing to you? 
If you're a college baseball fan, or not definitely the check it out. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Especially, you know, I would assume some players from State and Ole Miss will make it. So, I mean, in this state alone, though, there should be some interest. Yeah. I mean, you have a bunch of guys who are certainly looking for the opportunity to play baseball. So we'll uh, we'll see how that shakes out. All right, Borky, let's uh, let's get to the college football fix. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. ESPN has released the Football Power Index. And, well, I guess they have used the Football Power Index to determine win totals, overs, unders, if you prefer, for the SEC. We've played the over-under game a bunch. And I guess we could do it again. I'll just give you these and tell me what stands out to you. Georgia at 10.2. So these are projected win totals for every SEC team. Georgia 10.2. So a 10-win team. Florida 9.7. Think if we're rounding up, that makes them a 10-win team as well. Kentucky 7. See, that right Tennessee. there is that's outstanding to me. Um Two-horse race in the SEC East, and yes, this is just a mathematical algorithm, and the way they have handled the West is mind-blowing. They should probably you know, go back to the drawing board if they honestly think Arkansas is going to win five games this year. But I, I am of the belief that Florida is prepared to compete with Georgia for the SEC East. I think they are not being talked about enough as a team that could win that division. Everybody's just kind of writing in Georgia and Jamie Newman, understandably so. He was dynamic at Wake Forest. He's going to have much better playmakers around him at Georgia. But I think Florida's in really good position to win this division, and at least I have the nerds that back me up on this. Okay. So Georgia and Florida at 10 wins. Kentucky at 7 wins. Tennessee at 6.3, Missouri at 6, South Carolina at 5.8. So if we're rounding, that's Tennessee, Missouri, and South Carolina all as six-win teams in the East, and Vanderbilt with 3.2. That is the lowest total in the league. That's the East. We'll come back and quibble with that in a second. In the West, Alabama 10.9. So Alabama wins 11. LSU at 9.6. By the way, if LSU wins 10 this year on the heels of what they did a season ago, I don't want to hear any complaining from any LSU fans, given what they lost. Auburn at 9.1. So Auburn a 9-win team. Texas A&M a 9-win team at 8.9. Ole Miss bowl eligible, 6.1. Arkansas, five wins, 5.0, and Mississippi State at 4.6. Hey, Dad? I don't see any way on this earth that State loses more games than Arkansas does. I would be very, 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 I can't stress enough how surprised I would be by that. 
I, I feel like State should be closer to, to like six and a half. If you told me right now I could bet State six and a half, I would. <clears throat> You'd take the over. I think I would take the over. I think they can they can win seven. Uh, let's look at Arkansas schedule again. Kent State, that's a win. Mm-hmm. They lose at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They lose at Mississippi State. At least based on what we think. Right. They lose to Texas A&M in Dallas. They beat Charleston Southern. Lose to Alabama, lose to LSU. They get to... Good grief. How many teams get to do the Alabama-LSU thing back-to-back? Mississippi State plays Alabama, LSU back-to-back. Ole Miss plays them back-to-back. Arkansas plays them back-to-back. So does does Auburn. Or so, Auburn. I mean, it's not Auburn. So, somebody plays LSU Alabama at the end of the year. It must be Texas A and M. They play Alabama Plus LSU. You got four teams that have some combination of LSU Alabama in consecutive weeks. Whew. Anyway, so Arkansas, uh, Tennessee probably a loss. Yeah, that's a loss. Auburn on the road probably a loss. It's a loss. Ole Miss probably a loss. Probably. ULM, that's a win. That's three. And then they go to Missouri. They're four and eight. They're, no, I'm sorry. They're three and nine at best. I don't know. I, I'm not going with at best. I mean, they're going to beat Kent State, Charleston Southern, and ULM. That's it. But, but you said at best. I mean, I think that's their baseline. That's their ceiling. The other, they, they're not winning any more games than that, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, we'll I mean, see the, what I, Missouri I, is. We'll see what Tennessee is at home, I guess. But what I saw last year was not just a team that wasn't well coached. That, that's Arkansas and Sam Pittman's problem. It's not just he's taken over a roster that really wasn't coached up, but there's some dudes there. Of course, it's an SEC team, so they're going to have a couple of guys that like belong on the field. But generally speaking, that was a roster that is incapable of being competitive right away. They need to get better players before... Uh, good coaching can take over and win more than one of these other games on their schedule to get to to four, even. Because if, there, there's a talent discrepancy between them and everybody else. At least that's what I saw. Here's a different take on the uh, win totals from the FBI. This on the C Spire text line. Georgia will lose to Florida and Tennessee, and let's not forget they play Alabama this year. Early, too. Mm-hmm. New system, new quarterback, new everything there. They don't have DeAndre Swift. It, of course, they're going to be good. They've recruited well enough, but it, there's a, a narrative, not a narrative, but a growing feeling that Georgia is just going to run right through the East and they'll meet Alabama in the SEC championship game. Hold on now. That's a lot of projecting I've- being done to get to that conclusion. I think that's exactly what's going to happen, though. I think they're going to go 11-1 and and only lose to Alabama. Got another message, a dissenting opinion. Georgia isn't losing to Tennessee. Well, yeah, probably I kind of like where they've got Kentucky projected with seven wins. Yeah. Well, they get to use a quarterback this year. That might help. <laughs> Last one could not throw the football. Great runner, though. 
it worked. It worked out okay it for worked. them, though. It they worked. used him at Sports Mississippi Talk. State. That game could have gone differently. Would have gone differently. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford. Greg and Nettleton on the ceasefire text line. Guys, you had a uh, chance to look at uh, what the Vols are doing in recruiting. Coach got his swag on. Top safety out of Florida. Uh, Left there and is on his way uh, home. Pick up number one outside linebacker. Uh, Rocky top, you'll always be. Ha, ha, ha. Nick Saban, uh, better get ready. Great show. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, it's been a pretty good recruiting haul for Tennessee over the last couple of weeks, and I I think we briefly touched on that last week. Um, They got a couple more of the weekend, though. Yeah. Eight blue-chip players in seven days. Jeremy Pruitt, the very dynamic personality of Jeremy Pruitt, must just really kill those Zoom calls. He's been a good recruiter everywhere he's been, in fairness. Well, he's been at football factories mostly, but point stands. I just I find it funny, and anybody that's recruiting well right now, anybody that's recruiting at all, is under the same circumstances. I just find it funny that a team that hasn't been good since I was I was out of diapers by '97, but I was a very young little boy. The last time Tennessee was really good at, at all at football, the see the the off season after they lose to BYU and Georgia State, they get eight elite commitments in seven days when nobody can visit anybody and nobody bats an eye. Oh, it's just Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt is like Nick Saban if he was fat and more boring. And he's getting these <laughs> all these commitments on Zoom calls. Like That's the only way he can recruit right now. Hey, Dad's about to fall out of his chair. <laughs> If he was fat and more boring, that man said. That's fantastic. Good job, Borky. And that's how the game is played. I'm not going to be naive, but man, it's just like they can they cannot be good. They weren't good last year. They were bad. Lost to Georgia freaking state. And they did get, they did get better at they pulled an Arkansas and got better as the year went along. But they actually did get better as the year went yeah. on. In fairness, the schedule toughened up, and they played some pretty good ball. But still, wasn't a good football team last year. No. Haven't been good in forever. The whole country is shut down, and yet it's Tennessee, of all programs, that are magically getting all these blue-chip prospects with Jeremy Pruitt on the Zoom call. It's just funny how that works. Maybe it's because they aren't meeting him in person. <laughs> they don't have to go to Knoxville. Once they get some actual in-homes, they're like, oh, wait, no, never mind. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't them, it'd be somebody else, I know. But, man, it's just nobody bats an eye. Oh, wow, look at oh Jeremy Pruitt. Everybody wants to play for him? Okay. Well, but Tennessee's one of those programs that's not going to draw scrutiny when they have a resurgence in recruiting. Of course not, because they won a national championship when these kids were, oh, wait, not born yet. Borky, I love that you put the qualifier. Oh, I was out of diapers in 1997. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. I was five. I don't Thanks really remember, but right. I would I would hope so by then. Um, anything else on these win totals? Um, Georgia at 10, Florida at 10, Kentucky 7, Tennessee 6, Missouri 6, South Carolina 6, Vanderbilt 3 in the east. I think South Carolina would take the under for sure. 
probably Missouri too. Well, in the bottom two, if they happen as predicted, uh, just by rounding, South Carolina wins six games, Muschamp is gone, obviously Mason's gone at three. You think Muschamp would be gone even if he got to a bowl with six wins? I think so, yeah. Okay. Then you got Alabama at 11, LSU at 10, Auburn at 9. I don't like that Texas one. A&M at 9. Guess. Am yeah, I? you'd take the under with Auburn. You think they're uh, going 8-4, and four, right? Just like they always do. Am I crazy for thinking that Alabama is going to uh, assume their position at the top of the SEC and do it with, with relative ease? I, does, I think Alabama to like the, the West, West is a little down. Yeah, is what Haydad thinks Georgia is going to do to the East. I think Mac Jones will be the starter, and he will be very good. He will be a Heisman contender just because of who he plays for. He won't make mistakes. He'll throw the ball around a little bit. He's a talented dude. But they're going to run the football. They're going to play defense. They're going to win all but maybe one of their games and go right back to the college football playoff as if nothing happened last year. I mean, I I, I would agree with that. The West in and of itself isn't. I don't think it's particularly good this year. Oh, because I don't really know what LSU is going to be. Now, if LSU surprises us, we'll see what happens. But like right now, when you look at the West, it looks like it's Alabama and everybody else. What Alabama go ten and two last year? Mm-hmm. Is that right. Yeah, lost to LSU and then lost in the Iron Bowl to Auburn. Right. I mean, it's not like there was a precipitous fall a year ago. Oh, no, of course not. But, I mean, I, I was just thinking back when you said, like, last year never even happened. I was like, hey, they did still win 10 games. Oh, yeah. I mean, just they had a formidable challenger in LSU, and then they didn't, but they should have beaten Auburn, and that was with a backup quarterback. I think that they're just going to go right back to cruising like LSU did a year ago. In terms of reopening, we um, – We've kind of had those stories trickling out over the last few days. Um, Arkansas, Borky, I clicked on the link, and this says Arkansas State, not Arkansas. Oh, man, then I sent you the wrong one. Anyway, yes, Arkansas is um, they're planning on reopening. In fact, uh, they even said that the plan currently is to bring athletes back this summer and they are preparing for a start in September. Like they are moving forward with that being uh, the uh, the the plan currently in place. That's from Hunter Urichek. And then Ravel fell victim to some fake news, which I cannot. Oh, didn't believe. he though? Can you believe that guy didn't check and do his research? Incredible. Tell me about it, Rippy. Well, I mean, in, I guess not in his defense necessarily, but when they Ole Miss initially sent that out, it was incredibly unclear. You remember they sent out, what well, was it, all campus activities or something, like like postponed until August or something, and then they clarified like 12 hours later that it had nothing to do with athletics. I don't remember exactly what happened, but what Ravel yeah. tweeted was obviously not the case. I've got the quotes from your check if you want them. I, I'm sorry, I, can, I sent you just the, no, you're good. the very wrong you're good. link. Um, so this is Hunter Yurchuk of Arkansas. He said, and my computer just died. Gosh dang it, what a day. How about this? <laughs> Earlier today, I answered a question during our Board of Trustees meeting related to my thoughts on the start of the 2020 football season. To clarify my comments, there is one plan that would have our student-athletes return to campus for official team activities around July 15 to hit the target of an on-time September 5th start to football season. As I outlined in my original comments, this is just a plan, not an official decision. Decisions will be made based on the continued health and safety of our student-athletes. 
I don't know if that's the exact quote you were talking about or not, but... No, it was the original quote where he said, uh, right now they anticipate opening up campus uh, in July for, for workouts, and then they'll have regular students come back in August, and then they'll play football on September 5th. And of course, he had the caveats in there. Everybody has to have the caveat, but he said that that is the, what they are operating under the assumption they will be able to do. And that has not been a state, obviously, that's been hit particularly hard by this. Darren Rovell, by the way, has deleted his tweet. <laughs> did he Did he issue a, a, a correction? That's the real question. No. I, I know the answer just, is no. There's just a, this tweet is unavailable, and when you quick, click on it, sorry, this page doesn't exist. I wish Darren Rovell's Twitter didn't exist. It really is funny. It does not matter what Darren Rovell tweets the immediate responses to every single thing that comes from his Twitter account are, delete your account, you're a terrible person, you're wrong again, hey Darren, you're wrong, it, and then kind of goes downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. But that's his brand. Let's see. Um... Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. Again, that number is 601-879-4395. Hogman, I was waiting to see this. It was coming. Hogman says one of those three wins that you guys are talking about for Arkansas will be over a Mississippi school. So they're going to lose to Kent State but beat Ole Miss or State. Got it. Yeah, and, and, and Hogman, maybe you're right. You, you you may be right, and and that'll be just fine, and I'm sure you will be here to tell us about it if you are. I do, however, and I've had this conversation with people that cover Arkansas, people that are fans of Arkansas, people that aren't fans of Arkansas but live in the state of Arkansas. The superiority that Arkansas fans feel that they have that, that their university and their athletics program has over the two programs in the state of Mississippi is one of the more misplaced superiority complexes that exists in all of sports fandom. It's like, well, we're better just because. Well, well why? Well, because of... No, no why? Tyson. And Johnny Tyson not playing quarterback for you. Sam Walton's not the point guard. And let your right fielder come in and catch the ball. And then you've got something you can actually claim instead of having a second baseman go out of position and overrun it. Sorry, that was probably below the belt. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. A couple of segments left with you on this Monday afternoon. Peace by our text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Don't forget that you can uh, watch the show now. Sports Talk Mississippi live or on demand on your computer or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalk.fm slash watch. You can also watch... Super Talk Mississippi, all of our shows on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. 
Just search Super Talk and go to supertalk.fm slash connect to get connected on your smart device. And while you're at it, trying to figure out how to listen on the go, don't forget uh, the show is available in podcast form, the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast, available from Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can uh, catch Thunder and Lightning with Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman. Also, the Rebel Report with uh, Brian Scott Rippey and Michael Borky and the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. So all of that is available to you. Uh, sorry, I lost track of where I wanted to go next. Borky, what have we not gotten to that you wanted to hit on desperately? Almost everything, really. Um, Andy Dalton being a cowboy is interesting. Yeah, What do you make of that? $7 million so, backup. Yeah, and it's pretty atypical. I mean, when you look at... Isn't that pretty comparable to what Teddy Bridgewater had in place with the Saints? Compensation-wise, yeah, but, I mean, when they picked up Bridgewater, he was, I mean, damaged goods, right? He, he was a guy that was injured, and, and nobody ever thought he was going to be healthy enough to play again, and so that's why he was there. Andy Dalton's a guy that's been to a few Pro Bowls. I mean, he's... He's been a, a leader of a franchise for a while, and still, even though last year did not go particularly well, in spite of bad ownership, bad coaching, terrible rosters, he's been pretty good. Generally in the NFL, your, your high-profile, elite-level quarterbacks have a backup that you've never heard of. Who's Aaron Rodgers' backup right now? Jordan Love. Who's well now? Yeah. <laughs> um, who's it Russell was Wilson's Kaiser, backup? I believe. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser. Who's Russell Wilson's backup? Uh, right. And Ben Roethlisberger. Who's number two in Pittsburgh? Is it uh, the Tennessee quarterback, the really smart kid that's doing like science in the offseason because he knows he's not going to play? It was Duck. They traded Dobbs to Jacksonville. Yeah, Tom Brady's backup in New England was a guy that wasn't good in college. Now they're going to make him a starter. Congrats to him. But this is a unique situation to me because if this is a really, if Dallas is really going to commit to Dak Prescott and he is the future of the franchise, why would you at all invest in a quarterback like Andy Dalton? It's just unusual. Maybe they just wanted an experienced backup. Maybe so. But it is a little bit unusual to have a guy like Dalton who's healthy, who is still in his prime, uh, good enough to be a starting quarterback somewhere, and was a Pro Bowl guy in spite of being dealt a really bad hand with his franchise. It's at least interesting. It might be a pressure move to get Dak to sign or compromise a little bit on his deal with the contract. It could be a backup plan in case negotiations don't go well, that you've got a guy in place that you know is good enough to be a starter in the NFL. Certainly not a guy you want to build a franchise around, but if you can't get a deal with Dak, you let him walk, and then you have Dalton for a year, and then you draft somebody and move on from there. It is not, to me, just getting an experienced backup. Because you could have done that with Cam Newton. You could have done that with Jameis Winston in his 30 interceptions. You could have done that with a lot of guys. Joe Flacco's out there. But Dalton, I think, can still play and can still start somewhere. Might be a pressure move, but there's more to it than just experience backup. He's obviously not going to challenge for the starting job, but I think there's more to it. Is it more interesting to you that Dallas made this move or that, like you said, you think Dalton can still start, that that's, he went somewhere to be a backup rather than go somewhere and maybe try to win a starting job? I'm Yeah, Dalton, 
That's fascinating. Like I thought, he's I, going back. I, to the I place had him. That he went I had him penciled into New England. Really, you know, I thought it made sense for him to go to the Patriots, but I, I don't know if that means anything. But he's going back to a place that he's familiar. You know, went to college at TCU. Going to Dallas, same general area. I, I don't know if that means anything. Maybe not. Was Jared Stidham really that bad in college? He no, wasn't he was great. fine his second, his first year at Auburn, and then he got hurt and his offensive line stunk the second year. He did stink. But in three college seasons, so he played 10 games in 2015 at Baylor, was out 2016, 14 games at Auburn, and then 13 games. And he threw for 7,200 yards, 48 touchdowns in three years as a starter. It's not awful. Sorry, kind of picking nits there. That just kind of stood out. He, he definitely took a step back his, his last year, but like his last said, year, like right. Rippy said, that, that team, that offensive line was just really, really bad. He was dealt a bad hand from the beginning. I mean, I feel bad for him in a way. I mean, he performed well on teams that weren't built well. He had weapons his first four years, and obviously he is not in his first four years, but if you compare his numbers to Dak's numbers, they're very comparable. Statistically, pretty equal and Dalton's played more years after that, not as good. But still, you get my point, is early on when he got drafted, he had a little bit more competent roster around him, was able to perform at a high level. The worse the franchise got, his numbers went down some. Um, again, I don't think he's going to challenge for the starting job, not at all. But as David and Tupelo says, I think it might be a pressure move to bring in an experienced guy, a talented guy, to try to see if you can get Dak and his agent to bring their number down some. And, of course, it's a kicker that in case Dak gets hurt, you've got a guy that won't screw it up and, I mean, could win some games for you. What other backup quarterback in the NFL has been to three Pro Bowls by the age of 32? Doubt there's one. I can't think of one. Yeah. He's got four millions worth of incentive based on whether he plays or not. It doesn't sound like this is just completely like, hey, please hold a clipboard just in case. No, I mean, they brought in... I I think Dallas believes that they are built to win now. And in the event that something happens to Dallas, I don't think they want to be scrambling at the quarterback spot. And so they invest in a guy who they feel like could step in and start if Dak were to get hurt or if he were to be terrible or, you know, whatever. The other piece of this, and I I was kind of... I wasn't being flippant when I said he played college ball in, in Fort Worth there at TCU. But the story to ESPN, he he and his family live in Dallas. And doing the whole weird coronavirus thing right now during the offseason, not having to pick his family up and move them or being able to stay put with them, it's possible that that factored into the decision. Well, and the uh, the NFC East is paired with the AFC North in their cross-conference uh, games this year. Yeah. Revenge? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, your backup having nine years of experience in that division probably helps some. I mean, that's a quarter of your games. That's true. It's a really good point. And poor Joe, I feel bad for Joe Burrow. <laughs> if you th- if there's a Bagels fan out there that thinks Dalton's a bum and now that we've got Burrow, we're going to be great again, uh, you got another thing coming, pal. 
If you would uh, like to text us, you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Speaking of texting, Luke Johnson uh, just sent me a message. Here's a stat for you, stat of the day. Since 2011, six quarterbacks in the NFL have thrown for 30,000 yards, 200 touchdowns, and 70 wins. Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Andy Dalton. He's been to the playoffs five times and won the division twice. He's pretty good. He's an underappreciated player, I would say. He, he won a lot of games for, for a franchise that historically has not won a lot of games. But, you know, had to be in the division with two of the better franchises in the league and the Steelers and the, and the Ravens. Kind of switching gears. We've been talking about the uh, Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady golf match. But you've got another pretty interesting golf match that's going to happen. PGA Tour, NBC Sports, and Sky Sports announced the return of a televised golf match or return of televised golf with tailor-made driving relief. It's a $3 million charity skins match. And it's going to happen at Seminole Golf Club on May 17th. May 17th is going to be a big sports day. You're going to have golf and NASCAR on May 17th. It's going to feature Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson teaming up against two Oklahoma State alumni, Ricky Fowler and the 2019 national champion Matthew Wolf. So they're going to follow social distancing guidelines, local mandates, and all of that good stuff. But they're going to raise at least $4 million for COVID relief. That's pretty cool. Something else to watch. fun to watch. Absolutely. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.